Yeah, I got this new shirt, you know, and I'm thinking, man, I, I'm styling. <laughs> I'm styling. First thing somebody says to me is like, oh, dude, you look like you're on a bowling team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the look I was going for. <laughs> I'll just write Randy. Randy, Randy's rollers. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Gee, man, old dudes, we're pitiful. We try too hard. <laughs> Well, we're in a series called uh, Really Good News, and each week I've distinguished good news from really good news, and I'll start by doing that same thing again. Good news is something we all want. It tends to be physical. It tends to be temporal, uh, circumstantial, and personal. It does have immediate impact, but with a limited duration. Now, we all want good news, and we, we can never get enough of it. I want good news, but Really good news is different, and it's better. Here's the difference. First of all, it's not physical. It's spiritual. It's not temporal. It's eternal. It's not circumstantial. It's experiential. It gets inside of me. It's not just personal. It's universal. It's not just good for me. It's not just good news for me. It's good news for the entire world if people would be uh, receptive to it. It is still immediate in impact, but it has an unlimited duration. In other words, really good news can be something that affects me positively now, next week, next month, next decade, the rest of my life. So we're talking about really good news. In the scripture, I've said each week too, uh, in the New Testament, there's this word, this Greek word, New Testament was written in Greek, euangelion, and it's used about a hundred times, a little less than a hundred, and it means, sometimes it's translated gospel, but in most modern translations, it's translated good news, and it does mean good news. And sometimes it's distinctive. Sometimes it says, it's the really good news about God. Jesus came revealing Good news about God that the planet had never seen or heard of before. Sometimes it's good news about Jesus himself. Sometimes it's good news about God's grace. We talked about that last week. Today, we're going to look at a verse. In fact, I think I have it here uh, somewhere. Here we go. Romans 10, 15. It says, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. That's that word, euangelion. The good news of what? Peace. The emphasis is on peace who bring glad tidings of good things. Good news of peace. So Jesus came initiating this introduction, this announcement of peace, but, but peace that was distinctive and different than anything that mankind had seen to that point. Now, when you think of peace, and I'm going to ask you to do something. I, I, know, I know this is hard, man. It's, you know, it's early morning, you know, and your coffee hadn't kicked in and all like that, but, but work with me on this. I want you to just, I don't want you to close your eyes yet because I don't want anybody falling asleep on me. But, but in a minute, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and I'm going to ask you, picture in your mind something that to you symbolizes peace. Everybody cool with me? So you're going to picture in your mind, you're not going to start snoring, you're going to picture in your mind, you're going to close your eyes so that you block out, you know, everything that will distract you and you're going to picture something that symbolizes peace to you. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Let's try it. All right, come on back. I don't want you snoring on me. Now, I'm going to ask you one question. Just one simple question. How many of you in what you... Did I give you enough time? Did you need more time? Now, if you need more time, I'll give you more time. Do we need more time? Because it's a bomb terribly if you didn't have a picture. Okay. 
How many of you in your picture, your, your symbolized picture of peace, how many of you had people in that picture? Can I see your hands? A lot of you did. Now, you just did that, man, because you're sitting beside your wife. I, I, I picked up on that. You're not fooling me, Barry. <laughs> well, that's unusual because the study was done in a large crowd of people. Maybe it's because you guys are Christians or a lot of you are. But a study was done, and it indicated that the vast majority of people, when they picture something that symbolizes peace, they picture something like, you know, a beautiful placid lake or a meadow or something with nature, and they rarely picture people in that scene. And I think I know why. Let me tell you a little story. Back in my first church that I had, Little Baptist Church, um, it was, you know, back probably somewhere between 1980, 88, 89, 87, 88. This, this family in the church asked me, would I take their teenage son to a, a Redskin preseason game? Because the, the dad couldn't do it, and so he didn't want to disappoint his son. What, what I do, it was a small church at the time, and I did all kinds of stuff like that. So I take this boy to this Redskins preseason game, playing the Miami Dolphins. Last game I ever went to. Um, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so, you know. We, we get in our seats, and we're sitting down. And so, you know, I'm there with this boy, and I want him to have a good experience, of course. And so as I'm sitting there, I can feel somebody looking at me. You know how you can just feel? You know, like, like somebody's just. And sure enough, when I turned around, there was this guy just staring right at the side of my face. I kid you not. I kid you not. So... I turn around and I look at him because it was a little creepy. And he says something, but I can't make out what he says. I'm like, the guy's like, he's talking in a foreign language or something. And he's mumbling on. And, and, and I'm like, and then it hit me, man. It was like an epiphany. I, I suddenly had this, this boom of light and I knew the language. I knew that, in fact, I had spoken the language myself for about 10 years of my life. It was drunken knees. <laughs> I knew the language pretty well. I kid you not. This, the game hasn't even started yet. My man is dog leg drunk, and he stared at me, and he went, <laughs> His girl, wife, whatever, sitting beside him, she looked completely, you know, hopeless. I mean, she couldn't control him, obviously. So my peace was a little interrupted right from the start. As the game went on, he managed to dump entire whole beers all over my feet. I mean, you know, your socks are all sloshy with beer. I mean, it was a wonderful event. I won't even tell you about the, the two grandmotherly-looking little ladies behind me that, that used profanity that Popeye had never heard of. <laughs> So peace is complex, man. Peace is complex, and it can get interrupted anywhere, anytime, and you and I don't have an awful lot of control over peace. So let's start there. Let's recognize the complexity of peace in this world that we live in. Look at these verses from the New Testament, Book of Romans. I'm not sure why that's happening. It should be here. <laughs> But it's not going to be, so I'll take it anywhere I can get it. Okay, okay. Just as it is written, 
there is how many? No No one that's what? What does it mean righteous? It means to be rightly aligned with God's will. I'm living the way God designed me to live all the time. That's what it means to be right or righteous. Just as it's written, there's no one righteous. There's no one that lives living the way God designed us to live all the time. Not even, how many? Not even one. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery are in their paths. And the way of what? Peace. Peace they have not known. It's cause and effect. Cause and effect. You see, peace is a result. It's an effect the, the cause of a lack of peace here is that no one's righteous. The reason that you can have your peace disrupted anytime, anywhere, doesn't matter who you are, anywhere you go or I go, is because we live in a world where not one single person lives the way God designed us to live all the time. And therefore, we live in a world that peace is tough to come by. And here's the result of this, this non-righteousness, ruin, misery, bloodshed, conflict, conquest. You know the human history. It's just one endless tale of conflict and conquest, and we cannot get away from it. Let's look at a couple others. In the Old Testament book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 48, 18, here's the Lord speaking. He says he's speaking to the Israelites, but it's a generalized statement to humanity. He says, if only, if only, here's God, you know, kind of like a brokenhearted parent, if only, If only you had paid attention to my commands, your what? Your peace, remember, cause and effect. Pay attention to commands, that's the cause, effect, peace. Your peace would have been like a river. Your well-being, we all want well-being, like the waves of the sea. Again in Isaiah 32, 17, the fruit or the effect, the result, the fruit of righteousness will be what? So when I live the way God designed me to live, the right way, it produces peace, at least, at least within me. It's cause and effect. The fruit of the righteous will be peace. Its effect, and this is really cool, its effect, the effect of peace will be quietness and what? Confidence. Confidence. How long? So here is God saying, if you'll learn to align yourself with my will, my word, live according to your design, you're going to discover it brings peace and it also brings this kind of quiet confidence in you. You kind of know who you are. You know why you're here. You know where you're going. You understand why life is as it is. You are living aligned with the laws of your nature, and and harmony starts to ensue. Look at another. Psalm 119, verse 165, it says, great peace, there's the result, but what's the cause? Great peace have those who what? Love your law. When a person loves the law of God, loves the word of God, loves the will of God, the result is peace. 
when I'm really from my inside, when I see, when God says, don't do that, and from the inside, I say, God, I trust you so much. You say, don't do it. I'm finished with it. And when God says, do this, Randy, learn this, cultivate this, I say, God, you know, I trust you. I love you. I want to do that. When we are in that condition where we love God's law, his will, his word, we love it. We don't bristle against it. We don't fight against it. We don't say, I'm not listening to stuff, man. Nobody pays attention to this ancient crap. No, nobody has to live that way. But when we love what he says, nothing can make us stumble. And the result is personal peace. Now, I could ask you right now, how's your peace? If somebody could watch you seven days a week, 24 hours, watch me. Would they find evidence that God's peace is having its way in me and I, you, are a person that most times is in a state of peace? We need to ask ourselves that, not to feel bad, not to feel guilty, but to know that our loving Father is here this morning wanting, wanting to give us at least a greater measure of personal peace. But we have to be willing to receive it the only way that he can give it to us. Let me share one more with you from Isaiah. Isaiah 26.3, he says, you will keep in perfect what? So we're talking complete peace, entire peace, perfect peace. You'll keep in perfect peace. That's the effect. But what's the cause? All who trust in you. We have to trust in Christ, our creator. Really trust him. And that's not all. Not only should we, there's two, two conditions in this one. Trust all who trust in you and all whose thoughts are what? Fixed on you. Or, I, mean, I mean, maybe some of us, that's, that's the chink in our armor right there is that we haven't cultivated the practice of keeping our thoughts fixed on God during the day, particularly during those times when turbulence starts to arise. And maybe we've, we've kind of broken the peace link with ourselves and God unknowingly. But, but, but this is a process. This is a learned skill. So I, I hope you can see at this point that peace is just that. It's an effect and it's a process. Let, let, me, let, me, um, let me just give you an example of something. Let's say there's a guy, um, and he's been really feeling lousy for a long time. I mean, just, just physically awful, feeling terrible every day, no energy, aches and pains all over, just, just dragging through the day, you know, just, just feeling like, man, something's wrong. I know something's wrong with me. This is not me. This is not normal. And, and it just gets worse and worse. So finally, he decides he's going to go to the doctor. So he says, doctor, you know, and he tells him his tale. He says, man, I'm just feeling worse and worse all the time. I have no energy. I can't think straight. I ache all over. I mean, I'm just, I'm, there's something wrong with me. Can you give me something? Can you give me something to make me feel better? I just, I need something to make me feel better, doctor. Can, can you give me something? Can you give me some medicine? Can you give me a pill? Can you give me a shot? I, I need something to make me feel better. So the doctor says, well, well uh, you know, let, let's, let's see. I mean, we, we have to get a better feel for what might be causing this. So the doctor says, well, well, well give me an idea. You know, like, how much do you sleep? The guy says, oh, I sleep every night. He says, no, 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 that's not what I meant. I mean, 
how much do you sleep? He says, oh, I sleep about four hours a night. Doctor writes it down. He says, um, okay. He says, um, what kind of diet do you eat? He says, I, I don't go on a diet. No, 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 that's not what I meant. I mean, what, what kind of food do you eat? He says, well, I grab fast food every day. I love fast food. I eat fast food every day of my life. Fast food every day of my life. Sleep four hours a night. Doctor writes it down. He says, um, sir, do you, do you drink? He says, sure, everybody drinks. Don't you drink? I mean, he said, I mean, like alcohol. Do you drink alcohol? He says, well, yeah. Uh, I, every day I get off work, I get myself a half pint of Seagram's, and I get myself 12 beers, and I drink, stay calm, cool, collected. I, I drink until I fall asleep at night. Dr. Wright said, down. He says, sir, I, I noticed a little bit of a smell, so I take it you're a smoker. Uh, yeah, I, I smoke a little bit. How little bit do you smoke? I smoke about three packs a day. Oh, I sit down. So, Doc, can you give me something to make me feel better? The answer is what? No. No. Christians. Christians. Christ followers. Sometimes we think that, that we can just... Say, oh, God, bring your peace. I, I just need your peace right now, God. I just, oh, bring your peace into my life. And I'm not trying to say that God doesn't occasionally do something extraordinarily gentle and loving, and he brings it for a short period of time, in extraordinary circumstances especially. But Christians, if we are not living in the way that God designed us, we can't just ask oh god bring your peace we, we christians are silly like that guy at the doctor oh bring me your peace oh god but we're we're not fixing our thoughts on god we're not trusting in him we're not living according to his word and his will and we know we're not in certain areas but we're just going to kind of keep pushing on and then we wonder why we don't have peace why we don't have peace in ourselves? why we don't have peace in our households why we don't have peace in our relationships with other people why we always seem to be in conflict with people we wonder and and the truth is god can't Give us peace. Just like the doctor can't give that guy anything. Now, now what the doctor would have to say, he'd have to say, you know what, dude, <laughs> you got to start getting yourself seven, eight hours sleep. And you got to start eating some real food, some decent food. Throw the cigarettes away forever. And stop guzzling the alcohol forever. Guarantee you, bud, you'll feel better. Right? Right? God can't just indiscriminately give peace. It's the result. It's cause and effect. It's, peace is, is the effect of a process whereby we align ourselves with God's word and will. Let me, let me share a few thoughts with you. Here's a peace process. First step, attachment to God's character. Until we return to Christ, our creator, in trust, and we are genuinely attached to him, meaning we don't, we're not just trying to get something from him. We genuinely like him and want to be like him. Until you and I like Christ enough that we want to be like Christ, our attachment to our creator is deficient. And hence, our peace will be pretty weak at best. Uh, alignment with God's will. 
These are just the laws of our being. The best gift that we can give ourselves is to learn to live the way Christ, our creator, designed us to live. If he says stop it, I stop it. If he says start it, I start it. If he says learn it, I learn it. If he says do it, I do it. And what we discover, the byproduct of living the way that God designed us to live will be peace. So that's the last step. Attainment of God's peace. It's the result of a process. Now let me show you another way of looking at this process. You see, we have to first have peace with God. You and I right now can have peace with God that is perfect, perfect peace. He is totally forgiving. He comes to us saying, your sins are not the problem anymore. I will forgive all your sins. I want to have you close to me. Will you trust me? I've proven how safe I am. I died sacrificially on the cross for you. Just trust me. So we have to have peace with God. The moment that we put our trust in Christ and become his follower, we have the assurance our sins are all forgiven. We're given the free gift of eternal life. The spirit of God takes up his residence in us and helps us to start to learn, to develop, to be the kind of human being we were always meant to be. We can have perfect peace with God. You might have walked in this room with all kind of confusion about God, but you can walk out of here with perfect peace if you make a decision to put your trust in Christ, your creator, and become his follower today. You, you can start today. You can have perfect peace with God. You can know that you're as sure of heaven as though you had been there for 20,000 years if you'll put your trust in Christ and choose to become his follower today. And when I have peace with God, now I can start to have peace with myself. But now that's progressive. That's to the degree that I will allow God to deal with my baggage, deal with my past, deal with my hang-ups, deal with all my problems and weird idiosyncrasies. I've got to be willing to work with God to help me put off my old self, put on my new self. He wants to help us with this, but frankly, it's a process. It's progressive. It's messy. So that degree of peace will be differing for all of us. And then finally, peace with others. It's possible. Romans 12, 18, it says, as much as it's possible for each of us, we should try to live at peace with everyone. But it says, try to live at peace with everyone. We can't live at peace with everyone, but we should try to live at peace with everyone. And so here's this process. Now, now, now here's historically, here's historically where we start. Uh, you can look at this on a national, you know, the nations of the world all through human history. We, they, we, we attempt to bring personal peace and peace to, our, peace to our nations, peace to our citizens, peace, first of all, by forming peace treaties and agreements with, with other nations and people. But you can't form lasting peace agreements with people who don't have peace with God. Because they don't have any peace in themselves. And when a person has no peace in themselves, they cannot stay in a peaceful relationship with another person or another nation for long. You get what I'm trying to say? We, we do this in the reverse order. We try to have peace with others before we have peace with God and peace with ourselves. Can't do it. And I'm just going to throw this out. This is, this, is, this is not accurate for every situation. But it might be accurate for some. If, if you're disturbed at this season in your life about some unusual degree of turbulence in your relational life I'm not saying for sure that it's 
your fault because it may not be at all. But it's worth to consider. Might it be that you have to get better at living with this peace of God to the point that you start to get peace within yourself. If I'm disturbed, if, if, if I'm so thin-skinned that the slightest little thing offends me, bothers me, upsets me, scares me, you, you know, the slightest little thing makes me feel inferior or insecure or angry, then, then I'm the problem, probably. And, and I just, I need to get serious about this part, this peace with myself. I'm not going to be able to have peace with others until I have peace within myself. Some of us, truth be told, we wouldn't even be at peace with Mother Teresa. There's some of us, let's be honest. I bet you you know some people. Don't, don't stare at them, but, but you know them. <laughs> You're thinking, yeah, you said that one right, Randy. He, she couldn't be at peace with Mother Teresa if she was alive. They couldn't be at peace with anybody. They're ornery as a snake, you know. Something to think about. Because when we are ornery as a snake or thin-skinned or, you know, hypersensitive, whatever term you want to use, you suffer most. We suffer most, right? Of course, we, we inflict our suffering on others, but we suffer most, and it's unnecessary. And a loving God is here saying, let's, let's do some healing. Let, let, let's really get moving on this. You're not helpless in this regard. So... I hope we recognize by now that peace is complex. And as complex as it is, Christ, the good news that Christ came announcing is that it's also certain. And we can anticipate it certainly. And it's not just going to be personal peace. It's going to be circumstantial peace. It's going to be national peace. It's going to be global peace. Jesus' entrance in this world guaranteed. It started a process that guarantees someday you and I can go anywhere in the world and be safe all the time anywhere. Your children will not be in danger anywhere they venture out to. You can let them outside all the Jesus' entrance into the world. That's the good news about the kind of peace that he brought. I'm going to show you a picture of something because, again, it's, it's about anticipating something. Sagrada Cathedral in Barcelona, Spain. It's, uh, it's still in a building process. I'm just curious, uh, how many of you have seen this? Because I, I found that a number of people had. Yeah, it's a, evidently a tourist attraction. You can see how huge it is. It dwarfs the six- and seven-story buildings that are, that are around it. Now, it started in 1882. You may not have known that. 1882. Uh, this, this architect named Antoni Gaudi, he is the architect, and he started it himself in 1882. He himself died in 1926, but the building of this thing still goes on to this day from 1882 to now. They project, they projected the cathedral. You know, there was something in that picture that bugged me. Can, can I, can we go, what the heck, there's, there's somebody on that crane. Can, can we get closer to that picture? Can, can I see it? Oh, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. That was fun. Uh, but anyway, they, they project, they project this thing will be done by around 2032. So when Anthony or Antoni Gaudi started in 1882, it was going to happen, man. This, this extraordinarily beautiful cathedral, it was going to happen, but it's going to be about 150 years. 
Jesus entered. Remember the angels, they all said, you know, glory to God, peace on earth and goodwill to more men. And we said, man, where's all, the good, where's all the peace on earth? I don't see any peace on earth. But Jesus initiated something that's going to turn to global, everlasting, physical, national, circumstantial peace. And I'm telling you, man, I, I live for that. I ache for that. I think about this often these days. Let me, let me quickly share. I'm going long today, but, but I just did. Kelly's not here, so I can do that. <laughs> Isaiah 2.2. It says, in the what days? Last days, the mountains of the Lord's temple will be established as the... Kelly's not the one telling me to, to speak less, less time. I don't want to put that on her. <laughs> in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest mountain... It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. It goes on. Many peoples will come and say, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. You're talking about the nations flooding into Jerusalem now to learn God's ways. It goes on. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Jesus initiated that. Jesus, last night he was with his disciples, John 14. He, he, said, he said, my peace I give unto you. I don't give as the world gives. The peace that I give, it's not like that worldly peace. It's different. He goes on to say in the 16th chapter, it's the last night he was with his disciples. He knew he was going to the cross. He knew Judas was going to betray him. He knew all his disciples were going to run and flee when he was in his hour of need. He knew all this was coming. And he tells them, and he says, in this world, in this world, you're going to have trouble, John 16, 33. But he said, in me, you can have peace. He said that same evening, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. We can have a peace in the worst circumstances. That peace we can have inside of us now. The kind of peace that Jesus initiated, inaugurated, though, the process is going on. Here's a couple other verses to think about. The psalmist David said, in a little while... A little while, and the wicked will be no more. You're not going to have peace until you get rid of the wicked. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There are some people that are wicked. They're incorrigible. Even though God loves them, they will never, ever be receptive to it. The wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek, the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the what? The abundance of peace. Man, there's a lot of people that would just give anything for a peaceful world. They'll get that. They'll get that. Jesus started it. It's going to happen. Isaiah says this. We see this on Christmas cards, but you've got to pick through this thing, man. It's powerful. For unto us a child, or for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and what? Prince of Peace. Prince of, peace. of the greatness of his government and peace, there will what? There will be no end. He started it, and when he comes back, and he's coming soon, folks. You know, it's an interesting thing to me that that, that cathedral, they're, they're giving a date of 2032. They think it will be finished by that time. I'm thinking Jesus might be back even before they finish that cathedral. But I could be wrong. But we're living in the hour when we have every right and reason to believe, biblically speaking. We're, we're going to see Jesus' peace plan flow and cover the earth and I, I want to live to see it I'm tired I'm tired of locks on doors 
I'm tired of police. I love police, but I'm tired of needing police. I'm tired of, I have utmost honor for Army and, and our soldiers, but I'm tired of the world needing such. I'm tired of the billions and trillions of dollars being spent just to try to live safely. And we do have to do this to live safely in this world. Disarmament doesn't work. Uh, unilateral disarmament is nonsense in a big bad world where wicked people live and do wicked things. All right, let me close with this. As a Christian writer, she, um, she died back in the 80s. Her name is Catherine Marshall. And she told a story of a friend of hers. Her friend's name was Marge, who was flying to Cleveland. And she was on the plane, planning, you know, sitting on the tarmac. And as the lady looked out the window on one side, she saw this extraordinary sunset. Just beautiful, all the multicolors on the one side. But then she turned completely across and looked out the other wing side. And all you could see was just these really scary-looking storm clouds. And so here's this completely two different views that this lady takes into her mind. And she's then, this lady, March, said she felt like God was trying to get her attention and started filling her mind with thoughts like these. I'm not going to dare to try to, you know, explain. I want you to hear her own words. As the plane engines began to roar, a gentle voice spoke within you have noticed the windows. Your life, too, will contain some happy, beautiful times, but also some dark shadows. Here's a lesson I want to teach you to save you much heartache, to save you much heartache, let this sink in, and allow you to abide in me, meaning Jesus, with continual peace and joy. You see, it doesn't matter which window you look through, the plane is still going to Cleveland. It's going to get there. So it is with your life. And then she said these words were said in her spirit. You have the choice. I have the choice. You have the choice. You can dwell on the gloomy picture. I can dwell on the gloomy picture. And I can assure you peace will not be within me. Or you can focus on the bright things and leave the dark, ominous situations to me, meaning Jesus. Learn this. Act on it. Learn this. Take action on it. And you will be released, you will, and, and able to experience the peace that passes understanding. So, is it possible that some of us have not taken the gift of peace that our, our loving God wants us to have? Because we have not embraced his process we, we, we say things, oh, God, oh, Jesus, give me peace, give me peace. But we haven't embraced this process, which means I've got to really, truly start learning and living the way he designed me to live. Could it be that we haven't had peace because we're so disturbed by the things we see day and night in this world? And it, it creates anxiety and turbulence. And, and we, we haven't sufficiently anticipated that Jesus has inaugurated a peace movement when he came, and it's coming close to its end, even though it's going to get worse before it gets better, we're likely to live to see its full fulfillment. And if we anticipate that now, it can increase our experiential peace even right now. So, what will we focus on? That's the other part. Maybe some of us, 
maybe some of us, we don't have much peace because we have a habit. We didn't even want to have it. We, maybe we inherited it from our family. Who knows? But we have a habit of always looking at the chink in everyone's armor, the flaw in everything and everyone, the dark side in everything, the worst in everyone, and in ourself maybe, as opposed to the good, the blessings. And that will rob us of peace. And a loving God's here saying, I want to give you peace. I want to increase your measure of peace if you'll let me. Some of us, we've never really put our trust in Christ our creator and become his follower. He can't give you peace apart from himself. He is the prince of peace. So what move today might our loving God be seeking to persuade you or I to take to increase our peace today? Let's pray. We thank you, our God, for the certainty of your peace. And we long to experience as much of your peace now in ourselves and to give it out to others until you come bringing the fullness of peace. May you help us to do that. May you give us clarity to know what each of us need to do. We ask this, Lord Jesus, in your holy name. Amen.